Welcome back to Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This Is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. We're on episode 23. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5 com. And our special guest today, once again, the graphic artist of Owly, Andy Runton. Andy, thanks for coming back. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, so this is exciting. This is uh, a good way to kind of get you through the middle of your week. For Wednesday, we're going to talk about Minute 23. Uh, we start with Nigel showing off a 1959 Gibson Les Paul guitar. We end with Marty looking at a guitar that he should not be looking at. Uh, in between, we get a we get a little peek of Nigel's collection of various Gibson and Fender guitars. So uh, as as I think we promised yesterday, that there's going to be some guitar talk today. Yeah, and I'm kind of <laughs> out of my element here, so I can obviously he's going to talk about his his shirt a little bit later in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, his shirt gets and, a cameo yeah. here. <laughs> he sleeps in sometimes, you know. So. We've got he's gotten uh, he's transferred his cigarette over to Marty. He's <laughs> yeah. got yeah. Marty being his cigarette valet. Yeah, and Marty's holding it up like someone who who doesn't smoke. Like I I used to smoke on and off. I have like three cigarettes a year. But if someone hands me a cigarette, like here, hold this. Like I know how to hold a cigarette. Like someone who who smokes, you know. Marty's handing it like. You know, like he doesn't know what this thing is. He doesn't know how to hold it. He's maybe he's worried it's fragile. Yeah, he is very tentative. I think the other thing I notice about Marty here, he's he's a very much in his director mode. You know, he's got his <laughs> lens around the neck. You know, trying yeah. to get the perfect shot and everything. And what's oh. like? Do you, what? What's with that? Do you? I mean, I other think... than other than seeing it in the movie, does that mean anything to you? Like, do you do you know well, directors I mean, and they walk around with lenses yeah, everywhere so he's they go? Blocking... It's almost like doing your hands with the, uh, you know, oh, with the framing. little, you make the little L's. Yeah, yeah you're framing yeah. it. And so he's probably, uh, he could even <laughs> be looking at the lighting and some of that kind oh. of stuff. I'm not, you know, uh, some of the different kinds of elements or, you know, I never thought about this. It could be an extra lens for the camera if the camera can't switch off, you know. If you do know <laughs> about this and you're a... Uh, a uh, film guy, you can write in and tell us what we we didn't film. <laughs> but I just think of it as kind of an accessory of the yeah. you know when you see Steven Spielberg, like he's that's what he looks like. You know, he's got the he's got the admiral hat. He's got the you know this is the look. This is yes. definitely the look of a documentary sure. guy. You know, so yeah, like when you see you know Spike Lee's at the Knicks game, he's on the sideline. He's got a jersey. He's got a. A lens around his neck. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. Yeah, he just everybody knows. Everybody knows who he is. You know, if you if you were in doubt, now you know. Maybe it's like when you you know when you join the guild. Like some clubs have a pin or a ring. If you're a mason or something, maybe that's the the director's guild. You get uh, you get the lens. And uh, although and and the collar is still popped. Yeah, on Marty, him and and. Oh, maybe yeah. early 80s. Maybe it didn't stand out as much. Now I look at it and yeah, it, it's weird to me. But I guess then that's it was the style of the time. It's a bro look. Yeah, no, it's not <laughs> something that you do. It's just not even back then. I mean, you had to be yeah. a huge fan of Miami Vice or something to pull that <laughs> off. I mean, well, I mean, well, he's wearing like it's like a 
a safari jacket with like all these pockets and everything and the sleeves are rolled up like it's the rest that's of the, a cameraman is, look though that's a cameraman yeah. look, you know to have yeah. that because they'll have like little you usually see a cameraman with like a, a vest you yeah. know especially in that era they'd have a, their little cargo vest full of well, all their he, filters yeah. and everything like that mm-hmm. you know? be filters and lens wipes and like a little brush with the ball you squeeze That's to blow right. the dust all know. the stuff you get at wolf camera you could buy the yeah. whole, you could buy the the camera guy starter kit and it yeah, just came with kit. all that stuff that's right you guys i just went to google and wrote did just said spielberg and then went to images uh-huh, uh-huh. and there is a picture of him with that exact look of a jacket like at least from the top it, it it's kind of cut off at the shoulders does he have the it's lens the same the color lens? and he's got a popped call popped polo collar oh good and <laughs> he has the cord so i'm assuming the oh, lens there you go okay right. yeah See? yeah so it's, it's, it's the spielberg it's yeah. the look. It's the look of you know of that time. Yeah. yeah. Whether for whatever reason, but it's it means he's legit. You know, that's he's totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, and we, I think uh... back back then, more people tucked in their polo shirts. That's I, I always thought of that. Like I will admit, so in the eighties, I had a lot of different looks i was kind of <laughs> we all, we you all know, know experimenting with my looks so i'd have like a rocker haircut sort of like a bi-level rocker haircut mm-hmm. a fake leopard coat i think i sent you a picture of me in that sean <laughs> and um but i would wear like sort of a punk there was a book out called the preppy handbook mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, and there were so there are all these pictures in the preppy handbook of like the different looks. So I, mm-hmm. even though I didn't, I didn't identify as a preppy. There was a I there was one one look in that that was the punk preppy punk, and that was a persona I tried on. And so wow, at this a is certain all point, this is all pre Google, yes, right? This is your way. <laughs> this is a literal book, the preppy handbook, yeah. and it had yeah. it had um the the preppy punk in it and i i remember wearing like so i had like a kind of a punk or you know police <laughs> haircut and then the a sting a sting haircut. yeah i had the sting on top and <laughs> preppy in the middle and then maybe some bleached levi's with with uh we would um what would you do with the the bottom of cuff them? Cuff yeah, them so and make them I was smaller. about to ask you. Yeah. I was about to well, ask you, you. You fold and cuff. Yeah. yeah. Did, did the handbook actually give you step by step instructions of how to do the peg leg cuff on your? <laughs> I mean, that's a. Yeah. This is fascinating. Maybe. I never knew this existed. I yeah, the preppy this. handbook. It, it was a great book. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was kind of a. It was a parody type book, but it gave very <laughs> detailed visuals and yeah. other stuff that I probably didn't really understand, you know. Okay, I'm going to Google the preppy handbook. <laughs> yeah, so I remember that was, that was you know, an actual book. And it's one of those things that it seemed like, I don't know if I just, if this is just my impression or maybe I heard this as an actual story at some point. One of those things, it seems like it started as a joke. Like they were making fun of preppies. Yeah. And then like people bought the book. And like took yeah. it seriously, and then it's yeah. like, hey, if you know, you know, you, you, you know, you're an artist, Andy, and you have books, and if if 
if people are buying your books and maybe they're interpreting it in a different way than you intended, you're still happy that they're buying your book, I imagine. So yeah, they, no, they kind of I mean, went it, for it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. What, you don't really, I mean, that's the thing about any kind of creation. And that's probably uh, something that they ran into with um, with uh, Spinal Tap was they don't really know. You know, they know who they're making it for. They're making it for themselves, mm-hmm. really, because they think it's funny. But yeah. they don't really know the audience. I mean, that... I mean, I don't. The movie didn't really do that well, did it? I mean, when it when it was released, I mean, I think that was the it was the VHSs that really really took Spinal Tap to the next level. I think. Yeah, that, I think it's it's one of those movies that you know would have been forgotten. It just happened to come about in that age of home video and HBO and 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 movie channels that you'd get at home that gave it that second life. Right. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, it didn't cost too much to make, so I, it may qualify. You know, it may have made money, but it certainly was not a blockbuster. It, but one of those right. things that gathered momentum through uh, through home video. But yeah, I bet the so the preppy handbook. Any yeah, news so about was, the preppy? <laughs> yeah, so it was funny. The first Wikipedia I went to was just about the cover of it, the cover of the book. <laughs> so I found the one on the actual book. Sears it and was... Kmart stores refused to carry <laughs> the preppy handbook. <laughs> yeah, so they call it a subject humor secondary education. That's the subject. And wow, it was... so it's, 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 so it would actually be shelved in the humor section. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. And it That's was published in 1980, Tongue-in-Cheek Humor Reference Guide. Gotcha. Written by Jonathan Roberts and edited by Lisa Bernbach. Addresses wow, but... preppy life from birth to old age. <laughs> oh, interesting. Explains and sat- satirizes what it takes to be a preppy person in the 1980s, parodying the lifestyle of the wasp elite. So Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. When well, things were yeah, a little so, bit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andy. I was just going to say that it's interesting to see how things that were adopted trickled down to people who d- could not afford that, and still, <laughs> yeah. and didn't, and but they weren't really parroting it. You know, I mean, nobody in my high school or grade school was a uh, wasp elite, but mm-hmm. uh, they all dressed like they were. You know, right. it's such a yeah. weird. The 80s, man. What a weird time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, well, there's a few minutes on Marty DeBerge's outfit and some of where it may have derived from some interesting sources. From Spielberg to the preppy, the official preppy Mm -hmm. handbook. Sure. I think I picked up a copy of that a few years ago at a thrift store, too. So I might have it around here somewhere yeah maybe we'll do that maybe that'll be like a bonus episode we'll cover that uh (laughs) one page at a time or one minute (laughs) but i mean that that just goes to show you i mean this it felt real everything about this felt real it didn't feel like a parody it didn't feel like yeah you know i mean Mm -hmm. all of the all of the they were checking all the boxes you know nigel looks like a real rock and roller there with his uh with his cigarette and yeah and he looked, no, yeah, he no. looks much better. I think we've we've remarked at the wigs in earlier scenes, um, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes he has like a, I don't know if he just has a lot of hair that's beneath the wig, 
or or if it's something they did on purpose. There earlier it seemed like his hair was like just higher up, like his head was bigger, where now it looks a little more natural. It's uh, it's maybe. hard to know too, you know, like how they shot it and what scenes they shot and which ones came first mm-hmm. and right, how much of right. one performance is all just one big thing that they were shooting all day and then they cut it up. I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah. crazy to think about that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, making yeah, a movie that's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things that are out of out of order. Um, we've spotted like there's a an early performance where Janine's in the we you can kind of catch a glimpse of her on the side oh, of the stage really? or backstage where she's not supposed to be oh, with the port yet. And, yeah, wow. so that's a cool one. I gotta look for that. That's yeah. Neat. So they they did cut it around and and the things in the movie are definitely not in the order that they shot them. So that's that's part gotcha. of it. As well. The funniest gotcha. part about that Janine thing was that. I don't think I mentioned this when we saw it, um, but it, it was that when I was watching those that minute with with my husband, is that he said, "Oh, that's Janine there dancing on the side," <laughs> and I said, "No, that can't be Janine <laughs> because she hasn't flown in yet." Right. You know, like it's it 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 broke my brain for a moment and then i was like wait a minute it's not possible that's not possible what are you talking about she's in england she's in england she doesn't come in until she you know comes up with the until memphis zodiac and everything come yeah. on. oh my god here's uh, your crab face <laughs> that's attractive that's attractive <laughs> Oh man! So, so, so I do want to talk about yeah a little bit about these guitars, absolutely, right. um, and particularly this this nineteen fifty nine Gibson Les Paul Standard. Yeah, this is a, a really nice guitar. This is a coveted guitar. One Les Paul was a pioneer, and I won't get into it because um, I may be the one most interested. But if you are interested, Google Les Paul if you haven't. Uh, really a pioneer in solid body electric guitars, in multi-track recording, um, in so many technical areas. Really, if if there's one guy, and I know we, I'll, I'll mention Chuck Berry passed uh, yesterday as as we record this, um, and there's been a lot of people saying, you know, if if rock and roll has a single name, or you know, I think uh, I think it was John Lennon who said if. You know, if you didn't call it rock and roll, you'd call it Chuck Berry. And I'd say no, I'd 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 give that honor to Les Paul. You don't have you don't have rock and roll without the electric guitar. You don't have the electric guitar without Les Paul. Um, really just an innovator on the technical side, and doubly so the guy could play. Doubly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we both got it. Janine's not here yet. Janine's not here yet. Using the wrong conditioner. Using the wrong conditioner for your hair. Yeah. I really do not. Definitely don't want to. Sorry. I'm sorry. Totally. Yeah. He totally interrupted his his. Yeah. I was asking for it. That was appropriate. (laughs) Um, But so on the technical side, that you know, just on the technical side as well as as the performer could play technically proficient and could play fast as fast as anyone you've ever seen. Just great guy. Uh, so you've got your Gibson Les Paul um, and they had gone through the reason the 59 is sort of prized is uh, there'd been a, just an evolution every year, a different model. They 
they changed the bridges, they uh, changed the tailpieces, they were playing with different uh, different technology, different types of pickups, and then it all kind of came together. All these incremental improvements really hit it in '59. Uh, they they just kind of got the right mix of all the right parts and really just special guitars. And and to to give you an indication, I just did a little bit of searching of uh, you know if you wanted one of these guitars. There's uh yeah so a uh, a 1959 Gibson Les Paul that had been played by Gary Moore auctioned went for two million dollars at auction wow. uh to, to give you an idea um, yeah, and even in the 80s i mean it, it hadn't been you know it's it's interesting to think about that i mean even when marty is talking about seeing the band in the 60s mm-hmm. like it had only been 20 years you know since that time the you know in the 50s the birth of rock and roll it had not been that long mm-hmm. you know so i mean stuff is still evolving and and all that stuff and that that guitar was already a legend you know yeah. people already knew that it was something super special so yeah and it was also something the these are handmade and hand wired so a you'd have different variations between one particular guitar and another it wasn't right. like they were all identical off an assembly line um so there were there were inconsistencies they did have a uh, a 50th edition uh less uh, gibson put out a 50 50th edition les paul which would have been in, in 2009, and that retailed for 8,500 uh, mm-hmm. new, and that's just the, the copy of that's the yeah that's yeah. that's their best mm-hmm. copy they could that's, that's the copy. And I did see um, I was looking around. I didn't find a current a 59 that was currently for sale. I did see um, I was able to find a 57 a custom three pickup black, which looks just like uh, later on when. Uh, when Nigel picks up the guitar with the wireless transmitter to give you an idea, that's the, you know, the three pickups in black. Um, and that was for sale for 85,000. And then, uh, a, another reference to Nigel, a 1960 Les Paul standard with the tags still had the tags in it. Uh, never been played. That one was going for 325,000. Um, so these are, you know, if, yeah, these are collector's items. These are, prize guitars these are uh these are investments and uh if you have one don't don't smoke around it the smoke's bad for the finish so uh and they look beautiful that's the other thing i mean they scream rock and roll i mean that's what these things do because so many of the people that we've seen and grew up with played these kind of guitars and when you Mm -hmm. would see a guitarist and all of the amazing emotions that come with watching live music or seeing pictures of musicians and stuff like that it's this guitar or something that looks like it you know so it's um it's very iconic very iconic yeah it's it's a it's a it's a very iconic look it's a great look and we see uh <laughs> great look good drama great. good drama great look great, great look. look yeah and there's there's, there's, there's well, one would, uh, sorry go ahead i just wanted to interject and and i i'm not the type of person to argue or say this person was the you know earliest or this one was the best or this one was the whatever but i would say that yeah i'm i mean i'm a huge fan of rock and roll and early r&b and soul and i just wanted to say that um another iconic early fantastic rock and roll guitarist was um sister rosetta tharp oh yes okay absolutely yes yeah and uh yeah and i just like quickly 
did a little search for her too, and they show oh the the clips below um, that they're they're talking about here. It says features Sister Rosetta Tharp in 1960, armed with her 62. In the 1960s, armed with her 62 Gibson Les Paul custom, mm-hmm. renamed yeah. SG and 63. So she's another fantastic early guitarist that uh, was uh, when I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they 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 had this video that was kind of like charting the early days of rock and roll. There was a lot less of the pioneering women of rock and roll in it than right. so much so that I started <laughs> grumbling in my seat yeah. and saying where's sister Rosetta Tharp <laughs> why is Madonna here but she's not so and uh, also just R.I.P. Chuck Berry we just lost Chuck Berry as of this recording so. yeah and I, and I don't mean to uh certainly there are a lot of men and women that uh that went into giving us the rock and roll that we have today so yeah I'm just a I, I think I don't know less Paul gets I think lost in the mix um, particularly think, as a performer um, versus some of the other people, but uh, sure, yeah. sure, yeah. And I, think I, I, that, uh, uh, I was just going to say, I think that I think that that is the thing about this scene that's interesting is the fact that the music and the technology of rock and roll are very integrated together, you know. And I think that yeah. that is the, yeah. and this obsession that Nigel has with it, it just shows you that you know it's an important part of their lives. This is this is what they live and breathe, you know. And so, like you said, with Les Paul. It's like he's a god to him because it's like he's able to, he was able to finesse and uh, refine this this amazing instrument into what it is, so that uh, they can they can do what he does, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's it's interesting. On wow, there's like three different things firing in my head uh, mm. in reaction. That was a great comment, Andy. And one thing I'll say is in terms of the technology that. So much of the recording and editing and process, so much of the studio has changed. Uh, you're just thinking in the in the years since since this movie was filmed, so much of that has changed on sort of the, the production side of things, and yet so much has stayed the same in terms of uh, you know in terms of the guitar, a basic instrument, you know, piece of wood with six strings. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not as active on the community. I, I don't play anymore, but I don't think there's been, you know, there hasn't been any great leaps in, in technology in terms of, um, you know, I still every once in a while, I'll wander in a guitar shop and just browse around and it could be 10, 20, 30 years ago. And at least, you know, the wall with the guitars is going to look the same. <laughs> but if I turn around and I look at, at the editing and the processing and amplification that it's, Stuff that was science fiction ten years ago now not only exists, but it's priced for you know the home user for the you know for an affluent amateur um, that you know that technology has changed so much. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's old and it's new at, at the same time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, timeless, timeless classic. <laughs> yeah, and and, and uh, oh, you're so good, Andy. You're so good. Um, so that that segues to another a little bit of research I did when he's talking about the sustain, and it's kind of like a little riff of a a quote that Les Paul himself had said about mm. the sustain that you could just go out and have a bite to eat and come back and it'll still be going. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, That's a little little nod to that. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So I actually found a, a page where someone did a study, like scientifically 
hooked up oscilloscopes and checked out the waveforms and, and studied out and compared the Stratocaster to the Les Paul. Um, and and just bottom line it for you, he found on an open for an open string, the Stratocaster had more sustain. But when you when you played it, if if you actually were holding the frets down, that's where the Gibson w- um, had lasted longer. So uh, the the quote from the page, I'll, I'll read it directly. Said, "While for the most part the Strat sustains better than the Les Paul, the Les Paul sustains more where it is needed most. The Les Paul wails there at the top." Yeah. So if you just yeah, just an open strum. Stratocaster is going to sustain longer, but if you're playing, if you're if you're up on the neck and you're wailing, that's yeah, it's the Les Paul. Nigel's got it 100 percent correct. <laughs> you know, he he yeah. may not know bread and lunch meats, but he knows his guitars. <laughs> and that's probably some of uh, Christopher Guest coming through there. His um, his love of guitars and things like that too. You know, so I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I we how- actually we have a few guitarists that actually follow us on our Instagram, um, and which is fantastic. And earlier, a, a while back, when we were talking with uh, Aloha Screwdriver, mm-hmm. we uh, got off on a bit of a tangent about Joy Division and um, Peter Hook and the Light. Who Peter Hook is bassist and co-founder of, of Joy Division. Um, he actually follows us on Instagram. So shout out to Peter Hook. He is well, will hopefully be a, a fan of the podcast, you know, as as we're recording this, we have not released it yet. So <laughs> yeah, maybe need to um uh if you <laughs> we need a we need a technology expert. We need a fact checker to uh yeah. to no, help no, on some of these. <laughs> this is but this is the part that uh I, w- I remember Alex would always talk about this on his uh Ink Panthers podcast. He was like, this is the part where everybody is screaming at the podcast, like, no, you don't understand. You know, all the people that know more about it than we do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh we're certainly welcome to feedback. Except me. I don't want to know. <laughs> but you know, if Heidi says anything wrong or Andy then please, please correct me. I will issue a formal retraction. No, I, I, I can. I, I take criticism well, but yeah. So this is this is yeah. It's kind of an exciting scene. It's interesting. I wish there was more, just a better view of all the stuff in the background. I know. I see. I think it's primarily Fenders and Gibsons. There's some V's in the background. I can't see the headstock if you know what the label is. I know when I when I played, I had a a Washburn Flying V that was black with this red pinstriping and uh, red dots on the the fretboard. And uh, oh my gosh, did you put your hand through the through the V to oh, play was, the yeah. the crazy parts? Yeah. <laughs> I did, you had to. Did, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember so I just uh, a little a little musical memory. I must. I'm thinking I uh, probably 15 or 16. Uh, my little guitar school or where I took classes had a, a recital and I wore, so I've got this, this Washburn V it's black. It's kind of, it just to give you an idea of the, um, the, the black Gibson that Nigel picks up towards the end of this minute. And it's got the gold around the edge. Imagine that, except it's a V and instead of gold, it's red and everything on there that's gold, just turn it into red. 
This is a total. Um, this is a total Zark from Tron. Look, you've got for your yeah, your yeah. So it's yeah, it's black and just <laughs> just red around the edges. And so I wear. I have a. I I wear a black pinstripe suit <laughs> with a red T-shirt underneath. Oh my god! <laughs> and I just think I'm. You know, I'm the coolest kid alive. I'm. Absolutely. You know, I'm 15. I've probably got a little bit of like a caterpillar growing on my lip. And I'm just in, you know, I'm in my my black pinstripe with the red T-shirt, my black and red washburn. And I, I'm trying to remember, I think I played Heartbreaker. Was that Led Zeppelin's Heartbreaker was the number I played for the uh, the little recital <laughs> or whatever the, concert. The Didi, that was the number you played? Yeah, that was, that. that was the number. <laughs> yeah, my number. So my number. I played, uh, I, I, did, uh, I, I did Heartbreaker. It was me. It was uh, me on lead. And then... Uh, the instructor like accompanying on rhythm. And then I also, then I played rhythm. There was a group we played. I'm just imagining you totally overdressed. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So like your instructor's in like a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're in a pinstripe suit. (laughs) Well, and and it's weird because like as a kid, like usually you think to get a kid into a suit, you got a whole, you know, a teenage, no teenage boy wants to, no normal teenage boy wants to wear a suit. But I'm just like I, you know, I had to, you know, you got to live up to the the guitar. Yeah, it's rock and you know, roll. Just man. the the, gotta... the guitar is black and red, so I'm gonna be on black on black suit with a red T-shirt. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, it's rock and roll. What were you saying was, though? You were starting to say something about Rush. You were. were you oh, so yeah, else? so I did. So I had my like solo number, or where I did lead was was Lit Zeppelin, and then I did, uh, I played rhythm. I, I supported. Uh, like there was like five or six, like a small little group we got together and do uh, a rush tune. It might have been YYZ. Right, right. I'll have to ask my mother about that. <laughs> and thankfully, this is. This hey, is, mom, remember that time? <laughs> remember that time? Yeah. And, and thankfully, you know, this is, you know, before everyone's so got a, a video camera so in their pocket. So there's no. There's no video evidence of all no, this. Thank goodness, thank goodness right? Yeah. You're like, oh, thank goodness. Uh, Kids today, they don't know how good we had it. <laughs> you could do stuff and then it would just disappear and there'd be no evidence. Yes. Uh, and you get to talk about it, what, 20, 30 years later? On, uh... and, and make it sound so much cooler than it was. And I'm not saying it sounds cool, but I'm just saying it sounds cooler than it was. Oh, yeah. My mental picture of this is super rocket. You know? But, uh, yeah, so I just, uh, you know, to sum it up, for me, I love this minute. I love looking at these guitars. I would love to... To walk around this room and just see uh, see what I remember, see what I could uh, eke out on uh, all these these lovely works of uh, of art. They're beautiful to look at, and then they're practical as well. But don't don't even look. But don't look at that one. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this minute, though, is the is Nigel with the you know. The... <laughs> he's just Marty's trying to talk to him, and, and Nigel's just. Going well, don't you get it, the you know? idea too that Marty's no, Marty's like, yeah, yeah, it's wireless, you know, like, uh, yeah, the wireless, I get it, yeah. you know, mucky muck, yeah, mucky yeah. muck, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that Marty kind of knows what's what's up, yeah, yeah, He's, but that's it's the not setup. his first time around, the, you know, that's this is the all important setup for the uh, for the air air force base, yeah, so yes. Yes foreshadowing of a, of a yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. well i just wanted to mention too since we were talking about um, musicians and guitarists and people that know maybe more about the equipment than the <laughs> other person 
that that uh that I wanted to shout out as part of our Instagram family is Jenny V. She's mm, a sing mm-hmm. songwriter, guitarist, bassist. Um she played with Courtney Love and she's based out of LA and she says she's a Fender artist. So she she's oh. got a lot of great photos of her out and about and on stage and a lot of great images of her her uh Fender bass and stuff. So Jenny, if you're interested in coming on too, it'd be cool to to talk shop with somebody who knows more about this, the equipment side of things. Oh yeah, yeah, anytime that'd be. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm always willing to learn and listen. And, yeah. yeah, the technology aspect of rock and roll is something that I guess it's what fascinates you know <laughs> predominantly male audience, right? I mean, it's just uh, I'm just joking there. I mean, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the. <laughs> It's not that the women are fearful. It's the fact that there's this technology aspect. <laughs> there, you know. It's just, it draws so many people in. It's this tinkerer, you know, yeah. builder, and then performer. There's a lot of aspects to rock music that make it so compelling, you know, and so it's... Um... Yeah, and actually that, as so I mentioned before that I'm a, I'm a singer and I've sung in a lot of different bands, uh, mostly early rock and roll and R&B and soul. So stuff from the 40s through the 60s, mostly. And um, that was actually kind of a disconnect for me, between me and some of the other musicians, as they could talk shop a lot mm. about the equipment. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to talk about music or, you know, or, I mean, about our, the songs that we were doing or about lyrics and the actual sound that we are trying to, in most cases, emulate maybe earlier, you know, performers from the 40s and such. But but that when people got into equipment conversations, I was just kind of, okay, <laughs> I'll go, to, go have a beer or something because, because it's just not my... Um, not my thing, you know, but it's a trap though. I mean, you see it with a lot of, um, I definitely see it in the arts where people become obsessed with, if I just had the perfect, whatever, then I could create this wonderful thing. And most of the time it, that doesn't, that's not the way it works, but, uh, there's a lot of there, you got to find that balance. And I think when you're first starting out, especially, you're really drawn to like, like you said, uh, if I just had an $85,000 guitar or whatever, I would yeah. sound amazing. It's because of that guitar. That's what it is. It's like, no, actually yeah. it's the hours that they practice and all that kind of stuff. And um, Yeah, and especially oh, yeah, with yeah. earlier rock and roll and blues and stuff like that, is that it was so much less about the equipment and more about the feel, you know, right, the, right. the emotion and yeah, and actually, I I, know I I bagged on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame earlier, but I do want to recommend. My husband and I took a road trip for our honeymoon, and we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but we also went to the Stax Museum oh, in Memphis, and it nice. was it was so amazing. And so, even though I'm not an equipment person, on mm-hmm. an emotional level, the way that they laid out that museum, you really you really just are taken in. And I was just crying, like crying, watching the intro yeah. movie about mm-hmm. the stack story and then walking room, room by room and um, seeing how they laid that out. But also, um, so I highly recommend the stacks museum. And then the one that's in Nashville, the country music hall of fame museum is stunning. And so much equipment. I mean, it's jam-packed with early, you know, very uh, 
kind of primitive early equipment, you know, guitars and, and I mean, things that I don't even know what you call them, you know, stringed instruments that mm-hmm. are just being made for the first time um, up to, you know, iconic guitars and other equipment. But I mean, stuff that it made me appreciate it more because the way that they, they really tell a story from the the third floor to the second floor, down to the first floor, they kind of mm-hmm. tell the history of of music, and and I mean, of course, there's a lot of rock and roll in there too. But amazing displays and uh, little corners where you can kind of crawl into a corner and listen to an amazing old recording. Uh, so that that's to me, that's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was kind of fun and cool, but this was this hit me on an emotional level that I will never forget. So well, those people, I mean, yeah. it just speaks to the. <laughs> the power of music and how how it touches us on a on a very 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 deep level you know and so especially as a kid probably not as much anymore you know i i think about that all the time but i mean it's like that you know queen song radio gaga or whatever it's like that's all you had you know you had the radio and you had your music and the world seemed so crazy and you didn't have anybody to talk to about it and this is what you clung to you know it was it was super important to us. And so I think that, I think that seeing the guitars and a lot of that stuff too, it's these images that are just burned into our minds of like, Oh my God, you know, that is amazing, you know? And so revisiting them at all those museums and everything like that, it's just, uh, I can, I can imagine it could be incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd love to, to visit that. Unfortunately, actually, um, I was passing through Tennessee and I did stop at Graceland, but this was actually before that Stax Museum opened up. But uh, I'll have to make sure to get back back to Memphis someday and check that out. Yeah, uh, for sure. Oh, and that kind of you sure. you know talking about you know the the importance yet unimportance of of technology and equipment, and that you can you know so many of people lust after, and it's not just instruments and guitars, um, you know other things too. But it really comes down to you know, the artist or the person using it. It reminded me of a, a story I heard of um, uh, Santana was playing a uh, a festival. And uh, so he goes out, Santana goes out, Carlos goes out and just picks up a guitar that's on stage at someone else's guitar. He just kind of picks it up and, and twiddles the knobs a little bit and then just starts playing. And it's you know, if if you know Carlos Santana, he's got a very distinctive sound. He's something if if you're a fan of his, you hear one note and you know who it is. Mm-hmm. And with just a standard stack, just somebody else's guitar and someone else's amp and, and their setup and, and not doing anything special, he just picked it up and, and the second he starts playing, it's Carlos Santana. He didn't need it wasn't his custom guitar, it wasn't a special hookup and, and pedals or anything like that. It's uh you know, that's all in his fingers. It's not in the instrument. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good so, stuff. So, uh, well, yeah. So, does that, uh, I think that kind of wraps it up for, for minute 23. Yeah. It does for me. It's pretty amazing. There's, uh, some neat stuff ahead, though. So, mm hmm. Yeah. We're yeah. just, we're just getting warmed up here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, we hope you've um, enjoyed this 
hump day episode of Spinal Tap Minute. That was episode 23, Minute 23. Um, You can, uh, speaking of Instagram, like I mentioned earlier, we've got some great, great friends over there. And we'd love for you to be one of our Instagram buddies at Spinal Tap Minute. And uh, Twitter's the same thing, at Spinal Tap Minute. And um, you can email us at SpinalTapMinute at gmail.com. And of course, we have a website where you can find all of those links. And that is simply SpinalTapMinute.com. And we also have the Spinal Tap Minute hotline. So if you want to call and let me know all the aspects of rock and roll history I've got wrong and, and who should get the credit and if you don't like Les Paul, let us know. Uh, <laughs> and if you are Les Paul, um, then uh, you want Beetlejuice Minute because uh, <laughs> we don't deal with the undead here. Uh, anyway, but if you you know any stories about your memories of guitars or rock and roll or Spinal Tap or anything else or just uh, your memories of our podcast, you can give us a call and let us know at 419-TAP-TAP-6. That's 419-827-8276. And uh, if we like your story or anecdote, we may share it in a future episode. And so, Andy, if people want to hear or see more of you or Owly, where can they do that? They can go to my website. It's uh, andyrunton.com, or they can follow me on Instagram at Owly, O-W-L-Y. All right. Excellent. And I'm sure they, uh, they will do that because they're good people. all right well so that wraps it up for this wednesday we hope uh we hope you andy will come back tomorrow and we hope you out there our listeners will join us again tomorrow for the next minute of this is spinal tap well i'll certainly Uh, be here all right i'll uh i'll try to make it (laughs) uh so until next time and so say all of us Tap, Tap into, into America. 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 <laughs>